welcome to episode 13 of IPNO from home. We are, of course, as always, live from the couch in my room. Today, we have another special guest. We have Joe Holtclaw, who is the director of the IWMS Administration in Strategic Services. Uh, hey, Joe, what's up? Hey, doing? Glad to be here with you guys. Um, yeah, I know it's, it's uh, you mentioned 13 episodes. We're in week number 15, I think, um, of working remotely. So who's counting? But, you know, there you go, <laughs> week number 15. <laughs> All right, so we have a, a, a few kind of general questions uh, for you. So first, for those people who are listening that aren't familiar, can you tell us about the role of uh, IWMS administration within IPNO? Sure. Um, IWMS administration is uh, primarily responsible for optimizing on the practical use of our workplace computerized systems. Um, we provide the best possible user experience uh, to everyone uh, that's interacting with those resources. Uh, we evaluate and we choose the best systems. Um, and we deliver training for all, uh, all personnel that use the, uh, the systems so that they use it properly. And uh, we manage the physical asset portfolio um, across the entire division. Um, this includes all the buildings, um, the equipment in the buildings, the utility infrastructure um, uh, throughout, the, throughout the campuses. Um, drilling down into that, uh, we do that with a really a dedicated team of, uh, of professionals. I have uh, uh, with IWMS help, uh, that is uh, Catherine Fernandez and, and myself. And we deal with, uh, with all of the requests or the inquiries that come in about, um, again, how to use the system. Uh, you know, I can't log in, I don't have access. Uh, I'm not sure about you know, uh, how to use this particular module. And uh, we, uh, we get those requests and we, uh, you know, we try to resolve the issues um, uh, with, with those. Um, I have two trainers, that's Sue Buyan and Maya Selzer. Uh, who provide all of the training, uh, not only for our systems, but they also try to help out with, uh, with other things along the way. Most recently, they've uh, tried to help out with a little uh, bit of a reference guide um, for, uh, for WebEx and how to use uh, certain things on WebEx for everyone. Um, I'll get into the learning management system and the, and the training resource library in, in just a little bit. But I want to mention uh, Keith Grabowski, uh, who manages the asset portfolio, along with um, James Boswell and Kevin Malone. And uh, between the three of them, uh, they uh, manage about 50,000 um, pieces of equipment, uh, almost 1,000 buildings, uh, miles and miles of, uh, of utility infrastructure piping. And all, and uh, make sure that all the data is entered into the system, and that it's managed properly, um, so that we can support strategic uh, reporting, uh, and and all other types of reporting uh, along the way. So um, that's basically my team and 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 our role, and it's it's a very strategic role uh, throughout the division. Wow, that's a lot of work, and yeah. I mean with that 
how has that team and, and your team and, and those guys out in the field, how has everybody had to adapt uh, to working through this current situation? You know, I think I think everybody's adapted very um, easily to this. I think we do a lot of uh, we've done a lot of we don't have a lot of in-person activity uh, with the exception of training, of course. Um, most of the work that we do is, is via you know email or phone calls. We do have some walk-ups, uh, some people who are in the building who come over and talk to Keith or talk to me or talk to Catherine about certain things. Um, but for the most part, a lot of what we do is online. So the transition for us has been fairly easy. Um, I think, you know, some of the issues, and, but for the most part, I think it's been a very, very smooth transition. Um, now on the training side, um, it's, it's been a little bit of a, uh, of a, of a learning experience, um, because we've had to, uh, we've done a lot of in, in instructor led training and that's in person training, uh, throughout the, uh, throughout the year. Um, so we've had to transition into web-based training and, um, so we had to experiment a little bit, uh, with, uh, online synchronous training. Um, and setting that up was a little bit of a challenge, but uh, with the help of our IT department uh, and uh, some, uh, some of the folks up in uh, Newark, we were able to really uh, make, make that happen. Uh, and uh, just to explain what online synchronous training is, <clears throat> so we, uh, we had to have a mechanic uh, come into um, one of the conference, room that had, conference rooms that had uh, Wi-Fi capabilities. And what we were able to do is, is hook him up with, with uh, his, uh, his iPad. And we were able to have Sue and Maya from each, each from their separate homes uh, um, log in and see what uh, doing. So they took him through the course. They were able to see his iPad and see what he was doing and whether or not he was doing things and following the directions um, uh, that were being provided so that they can take them through the steps that would provide all the training that he needed uh, to, um, to then go out in the field and um, get work orders, complete work orders, put his time on work orders, and, uh, and update the status on work orders. Um, so again, it was a little bit of a challenge. We weren't sure how it was gonna work, um, but uh, again, it, it, uh, it was something that we, that and um, everything worked out, and uh, so we can add that that particular um, type of training to um, to our repertoire. And uh, so now, um, going forward, um, you know, we have that tool in in the uh, training toolbox. That's great. I know uh, right now a lot of the focus is on uh, what things are going to be like when we all get back to somewhat, you know, some some form of normalcy, and we get back to campus. Uh, so how is the uh, the work that your group is doing now setting you up for success once we get back? You know, I think this has made us more confident in our abilities. You know, we've had to, you know, one day we're at, at 33 Knightsbridge and we're all sitting there and we're all doing our jobs from our, from our uh, offices. And within a week, you know, we're all at home. And, you know, we're trying to figure out, okay, how do we connect? 
every day? How do we make sure that we're in communication with each other, that we are, uh, you know, we are uh, uh, getting uh, getting the information that we need to get our jobs done and that we're pushing the information out um, to people to, for them to get their jobs done? And I think what uh, it's just made us more confident because we've been able to rise to the occasion. We've been able to um, to adapt very quickly. It's it's made us more flexible. Um, and, and we're now thinking, uh, you know, we have a more universal way of thinking now, uh, a 360 view, if you will, that you not only have to see what's ahead of you, you have to widen your field of vision to see what uh, what's on either side of you and even what's behind you. So in the organization, and I think it's made us more aware of everyone else's place in the organization and what we need to do um, to um, to help us all um, do our jobs more effectively and efficiently. Um, I think it's also made us focus on um, the greater good, too. Um, you know, we're not only thinking about what we're doing and how we need to do it, but we're also saying, you know, how can we make it better for the organization overall? Right. And, um, and always thinking ahead, uh, ahead of ourselves as well uh, and trying to stay ahead of, ahead of the curve and, and ahead of things along the way. Yeah. That's great. Okay. Cool. I think that brings us into our next segment, which is known as the IPNO from home zone. So with this, uh, for the past few weeks, we've been doing like a kind of three round trivia with questions tailored to the guests. So, uh, you know, we had David Van Dyke, we had sports questions. So for you, we chose classic rock questions as the strategic <laughs> services classic rock expert so <laughs> oh <here> okay <laughs> all right so here we go here is question number one having made eighteen thousand dollars for their performance at woodstock this person was the highest paid act at the festival or this group you know is it A, Janis Joplin, B, Jimi Hendrix, C, Santana, or D, The Who? Some great choices. <laughs> um, I'm going to say um, Hendrix, Jimi Hendrix. That is correct. That's correct. correct. Jimi Hendrix was the highest paid act, $18,000. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's a lot of money. I hope you didn't spend it all in one, one place there. <laughs> what does that translate to in today's dollars, I wonder? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Probably out of All right, well. That's, yeah, there's uh, some great great trivia coming, you know, out of, out of Woodstock, you know. Yeah, I was so surprised when I when I found that, that not only was it Jimi Hendrix that was the highest paid, but that uh, $18,000 was the most anybody got paid for playing at Woodstock. Especially, you know, with what it became and, and how significant it is in the, the lexicon of rock and roll history. Absolutely. Hey, a little 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 trivia there with, with Woodstock. I know CCR played at Woodstock, and a lot of people don't know that because they weren't included in the film mm -hmm. at all. And that was because John Fogarty uh, didn't think that their performance was really up to up to snuff. 
and he had he had to go on and follow um, the Grateful Dead. Um, so CCR went on after the Grateful Dead. Now the, the Grateful Dead uh, were supposed to go on so, something like you know, you know six o'clock at night or, or whatever six o'clock in the afternoon. They didn't they didn't get CCR didn't get on until three three p three a.m. in the morning. You know three a.m. Wow. So uh, yeah so um, and you were playing to uh, you know a crowd of people that were. You're all sleeping, so um, he decided that um, he wasn't going to have that footage included in in the movie. But uh, but they played that wow. nonetheless. But that's an interesting uh, interesting story there. It yeah. is. And speaking of movies, that leads us perfectly into question number two. Wait, John. Before we go into question two, for mm -hmm. those wondering at home what that eighteen thousand dollars would be worth today, mm -hmm. according to the inflation calculator. It would be worth one hundred twenty-five thousand seven hundred fifty-one dollars today. Wow! Wow! So it's that actually is a lot money, of money. I, yeah. It's a lot of money, but I think they'd get much more today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think you'd Especially have to add a couple more Hendrix zeros. might get a, a few zeros extra. Yeah, right. All right. Yeah. Well, like I said, back to movies real quick. So, uh, Pink Floyd's album "The Dark Side of the Moon" has long been believed to sync up perfectly with which classic 1939 film? Is it Gone with the Wind, Wuthering Heights, The Wizard of Oz, or Goodbye, Mr. Chips? So, again, all great choices, wow. Uh, I'm gonna say just because it sounds so weird, um, I'm gonna say The Wizard of Oz. That's the right answer. You nailed it. <laughs> and that was, a, that was a total guess because I was like, it sounds so weird. But there you yeah. go. All right. So, so I'll give you a little backstory. Twice in my life, thanks to some uh, real big Pink Floyd fans in my family. So we've got a group of Pink Floyd fans, and we've got a huge faction of Wizard of Oz fans. So I have done this twice with my family. Um, and there are some moments where it's like, that should be the soundtrack to the movie. And then there are other moments where it's like, yeah, that's kind of a stretch, but I can see where you're going with this. But there are plenty of parts, you know, you, you press play on the, the record player, you press play on the VCR and uh, at the same time, and it's there's parts where it's, it's eerily close to what it should be. Yeah, and it wasn't Dark Side of the Moon. That was the the album that was on the Billboard charts for how many years was that on there? It was, oh, it was, it was on an for incredible quite length of time. Yeah. yeah, incredible length of time. So, um, and and those guys don't talk to each other, you know. So yep. Roger Waters and Dave, David Gilmour and all them, you know, that's the way it that's goes with bands for their their own good. Yeah. So there you go. All right, so that moves us on to question number three. Uh, so, fittingly, this is the first music CD to be pressed in the United States. Is it Born in the USA by Bruce Springsteen, Homecoming by America, American Fool by John Mellencamp, or American Idiot by Green Day? So yeah, American Idiot. That's that's in the '90s. So Green Day is in the '90s. Um, so that one's eliminated. I, I'm going to say because he's such an icon, um, 
Bruce. It, it was Bruce Springsteen. Three for three. Joe, you are the first person to go three for three in our trivia round. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. An IP and O from home first. Yeah, well, you know. You've set a new bar. You know, music, you know, music is something that I've been around for a long, long time. So um, Yeah. So um I'm not you know. gonna lie, I was I was pretty surprised. I mean, I know it's it's not relatively new, but for it to be Bruce, it's pretty late on for, for the first CD to be pressed in the United States. I actually went to two different places to verify that that was the case. And it sure enough, it was. Yeah, it's, it does seem too recent. Be, you know, someone, someone, uh, you know, a, a little bit, a little bit uh, more uh, into the eighties or what have you, um, you know, yeah. one of the, one of the uh, groups from the eighties, you know, Depeche Mode or, or uh, you know, uh, you know the um, the Cars or someone like that, but mm -hmm. you know, have Bruce Springsteen do it. You know, considering I think his first album came out in '73, uh, "Greetings from Asbury Park." Yep. '75 was "Born to Run," so you know, for that to be the first CD and all, it's uh, it's incredible. But there you go. Yeah. <laughs> well, definitely a historic moment in IPO from home history. Uh, the first perfect game. Um, so, uh, yeah, Joe, th thanks for coming on for uh, playing thanks the game. Tell us about uh, IWMS, and we'll give you the last word. Hey, thanks. I, I appreciate the opportunity um, to come on and uh, and talk to you guys about uh, about what uh, IWMS is all about. Uh, and uh, I also appreciate uh, doing the, uh, the the trivia um, contest with you. There, um, I think it's all something we can look back on and and uh, and smile at when we get to the other side of of all of this. So it's uh, it's going to be a I think a bright spot. And I do kudos to you guys for um, you know coming up with this concept and um, and uh, you know really uh, again bringing a bright spot into uh, into um, into our uh, into our lives. Thanks. Thank you, Joe. You, Joe. Yeah, thank Appreciate you. it.